the, this Corydale, I looked at it and you can really see that that twist angle is way more than you'd see, or the, sorry, the ply angle is way more than you'd see any other yarn. And I think it's because um, these, some of these British mills really are very, very good at what they do. Like they take, and this mill also spins weaving yarn. And I think that oh, makes a big yeah, difference. That's a game changer. Yeah, that yeah. when you're getting into the world of weaving yarns where elasticity is something that you don't want, yeah. and they're working with so many uh, long wools that they really understand how much that twist structure can affect the final product. In a world of store-bought items and that never seems to slow down, we make with our hands and tools. Here at Woolen Spinning Radio, we take a moment to breathe, to chat, to reflect. And as the world continues in a whirlwind around us, we sit quietly at our spinning wheels with our knitting needles and on our weaving loops. The gentle motion of twisting a spindle, watching it drop slowly to the ground, or the click-clack of needles tapping against each other as we turn a heel brings solace and comfort. We make with our hands because we love the process and value our handmade items. While they are never perfect, our yarns might be gently thick and thin or just plain over twisted. In this place, we discuss what it means to be a maker, to use our hands. Join us as I chat with others in our community about these ideas, challenges, and rewards. Thank you for your time spent here in this place. You are always welcome. I thought maybe, Catherine, we could just start off with um, you kind of telling us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, um, where you where you live, because you're, you're local-ish to me, and um, what you do, what brought you into this, um, this, uh, this uh, community, and, and yeah, we'll kind of start there, if that's okay. That sounds great. Cool. So I, I live in Nanaimo on Vancouver Island. Um, I am a, mostly a lifelong islander. I'm, I think I'm third or fourth generation Vancouver, Vancouver Islander, although I've lived in the mainland uh, when I went to university and um, I actually lived in the Middle East for a little while when I was oh, a child. Really? Yeah, I lived in Iran. So. Wow. <laughs> yeah, it's my claim to fame. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Um, and I'm one of these people, my grandmother, um, actually both my grandmothers were crafters and I learned, I actually have a photograph of the day that I learned to knit because it was on Christmas Eve when I was six. Wow. And my aunt gifted me knitting needles. We have a picture of me sitting there at the Christmas dinner table with my aunt helping me learn to knit. But um, despite the fact that I had like some major crafters, my, my um, paternal grandmother, was amazing like we all have these huge lacework tablecloths that she crocheted for us and um that really intricate like the tiny yeah. wow tiny super thin cotton um we, we do a little bit of knitting at her at her house but not a lot i didn't really pick it up until hmm, sort of dabbled you know like but I never really had the money to do it. And so it wasn't until probably about 10 years ago where I really started picking it up again. And I wanted to something to do with my hands when I was watching television. I'm a trained classical musician. Oh, um, wow. cool. Yeah, so um, not having things to do with my hands. I used to teach singing, but I actually started life as a piano player. So not having things to do with my hands really bothers me. <laughs> so it feels idle when we don't have something to do with our hands, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I picked up knitting and I was, um, and I discovered Ravelry and um, I was having, I was having really a hard time finding what I wanted to knit. So I thought, eh, I'll design my own knitting pattern. 
that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I fell down that rabbit hole for a while. I'm not doing a lot of designing these days, mostly because um, two years ago, um, one of, I don't have a, I haven't been able to have a real job for a long time. I deal with some mental health issues. Okay. And um, so about two years ago, I was going through a really, really bad period and I discovered spinning. Um, our local guild, well, not our local guild, the guild in Duncan had a, what they call a hand-to-hand -hand weekend, um, where they teach and share, people who have knowledge share knowledge. And so I, I've had exactly one spinning class. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, fell down the rabbit hole. And um, yeah, so. Wow. And how, sorry, how long ago was that? That was two, year, two and a half years ago. Wow. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, so, so when you had that first lesson, like, was it just love at first sight? Like, were you just hooked or did it take a bit of time? Actually, to be honest, I was really sick that day. I had a terrible cold. <laughs> and so I sort of was like, yeah, it was love at first sight. And also a whole lot of frustration at first sight. But um, one of the things that having a music career means is I'm really good at sitting myself down and practicing. <laughs> Lots totally. of not good at, but I'm very good at that. So um, two weeks later, I bought myself a wheel, a little Ashford traditional, <laughs> and got myself a copy. I took up every single spinning book from the library. And I think her name is Erin Fields. She's uh, someone who writes for Ashford. Mm -hmm. She actually died a few years ago. Oh, did she? Oh, I'm yeah. sorry for that. Well, I heard her books are just, I have all of them. I'm always like, you have to get her books if you're just starting out. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, um, so I always talk about them on the podcast. So Beyond Wool and Beginning Spinning, I think are the two, the two books. Yeah, it was her spinning book. And yeah. I opened it up and I was reading it and she talked in a much more technical language. And for my brain, like my brain likes that. Is that and, your music training, do you think? Yeah, probably. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really funny because the, the woman who taught me to spin, who taught that class, I, I emailed her and I said, so I've got this book and it's talking about all this stuff about crimp and ratios. And she's, she's like, you know, you need to do the master spinner program. And like, I had one spinning lesson. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> so, yeah. And then what happened is I was trying to get local wool and because I just have these, I just do stuff. Um, I went to the local fall fair and um, went to the sheep exhibitors thinking, oh, there'll be people there. They'll have wool. They'll be able to get fleece. And um, there is one person who had Hampshire's and South Downs and another one who had this complete mixed flock of like, Texel and Romanoff and like all sorts of strange things. I think she must have been one of those people who collect sheep no one wants. And the people who had the South Down in Hampshire's burned their fleece. Yeah. And people, the lady with the mixed flock took it to the landfill. Yeah. And my heart just went, you've got to be kidding me. Big wake up call, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. It, that became the lack of value. Yeah. It's become my personal mission to find good jobs for release because we've got lots of sheep just people don't can't get their hands on it i mean spinners can i think spinners are, are better at sourcing it but knitters, getting more resourceful i think yeah 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 but knitters like they just have no idea that there's a world beyond merino 
I love that you just said that. <laughs> that this is what Katrina has been waxing poetic about for the last three years and four years now, actually. And yes, exactly. Thank yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, so that's my yeah. mission is um, what I want to do with this business is to buy fleece, get it processed, and get it out there. Like, I just think Merino Sock Yarn, I'm going to say something that's probably really political. Go but for it. I think it's really dumb. Reno sock yarn is dumb. Yeah. Do you want, actually, Catherine, because it, it, for those who don't know, because this is for like this podcast gets released, released to my Patreon community. So these are like, you know, spinners that are, are really highly educated in terms of like, they really understand about wool. Mm -hmm. They understand about breeds. They understand about, you know, that Merino is not synonymous with sheep. Like there are other types of sheep because that was a big like aha moment for me when I first came to spinning was like what do you mean merino and sheep is not the same thing it's kind of like the golden retriever of dogs right like yeah um, so but I you know for those who are just coming into spinning and who are beginning spinners and newer spinners that concept of merino sock yarn is dumb I love that um, might actually be kind of a bit of a mind bender for them. So maybe yeah. elaborate on why it's not a great fiber for something like socks. It's not yeah. great for mitts either. No, um, yeah. I, I sell Merino sock yarn, but I sell it because it's a really good yarn for people who have skin sensitivities um, because it's very fine, it's tender, it's soft. So I have a sister who has um, a skin condition. And so that's the yarn. If she wants a sweater, I'll knit her that. But because merino is so fine and tender, um, it just doesn't stand up to wear. And I love knitting socks, but I really hate it when my socks self-destruct. And That's when you've only worn them half a dozen times. And the other problem with most of the commercial sock yarn I find is there's just not enough twist in it. So if you can take your sock yarn and go like this and see space between the plies, that's a yarn that's not going to hold up to the wear and tear in sock. And I, you know, even with the nylon in there, it's just can't take the wear and tear. So. And then there's the environmental impact of nylon and I agree. all of the manufacturing that goes into nylon. Yeah. Some of the, some of that conversation for sure. Yeah. And you know, it's funny on um, the list of questions you sent me, you said, uh, said my biggest aha moment. I just had yeah, it. Recently. Why don't we do that now? It was connected to, to connected to my soapbox rant about sock yarn. Yeah, um, I was. I'm on this mission right now of spinning sock yarn in all sorts of different ways. I've been working with opposing plies, and I'm going to be doing a four ply cable. And because why not? I mean, I like to figure out what things do. And I was reading the ply uh, magazine issue about socks. And there was an article in there about a woman who's, I think she's a chemical engineer, and she basically said, superwash yarn is non-biodegradable. Mm -hmm. And I went, Whoa. so I read that and literally... Big wake-up call, isn't it? Yeah, I am going to stop selling superwash yarn. Wow, yeah. well, that's a commitment that you're making. That's yeah. amazing, Catherine. Wow. Yeah. So, um, but the challenge is then finding a sock yarn that people can throw in the wash that... And what, and what does that look like right yeah yeah so I do have a batch of yarn that's going to be coming back from the mill beginning of October that is baby doll south down three ply sock yarn fantastic yeah so we'll see how it, I'm going to put it through its tests and give it to my husband who destroys socks <laughs> you know <laughs> if you want another uh, tester my husband does the same <laughs> <laughs> he them. and then I'm like 
don't put those in the wash or don't put them in that, like in that bin for the wash because that's the stuff that goes through the washing machine but doesn't go in the dryer. Oh, okay, no problem, no problem. <laughs> Next thing I know, it's gone through the washing machine and the dryer because it got thrown in the other pile. I'm like, yeah. I love you so much, but you know about wool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, well. We love them anyways. Yes. I'm curious to find out because uh, Katrina and I've had these conversations on the, on wool and spinning radio as well about, because uh, she carries um, a four ply Targi oh, um, nice. for sock yarn. And, you know, I think it's one of those things like just trying to, um, like you're saying, just push the boundary. Like what, what, can, what can we, what, what are the alternatives and getting away from this sort of wash and wear convenience? Um, yeah. Uh, mentality that that really we've grown up with like you know I'm sure you're in the same boat as me but if not please say um, you know I, I was raised with a mom who was raised by um, in an in um, who was raised in a home of that the 1950s and 60s conveniences were quite new and they were quite novel and a lot of this stuff kind of came out of sort of the that revolution of the for the house for the homemaker whether she was working outside of the home or not um, where a lot of this stuff became really highly valued that, you know, everything can go through the wash, that everything can go through the dryer, that, you know, the, for, the, for the homemaker or the housemaker, that these things of convenience, these sort of uh, luxuries of, a, of convenience are, are really highly valued. And now we're sort of taking a step back going, well, wait a sec. But then the flip side of that is we're also making more work for ourselves. And it's sort of a hard, that's a hard line to walk, you know, yeah. for any of us, right? You know, women's empowerment, making a lot more work for ourselves, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, and I'm sure you've read some of the articles about all this stuff with the COVID, um, you know, around like, you know, a lot of the, um, the conversations that have been happening, um, you know, is that like women were still doing all the things and then through the COVID we're still doing all the things, you know, so it's, it's, it's a tough conversation. The wash and wear culture is, I get it. I'm part of it. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So I love that you're sort of trying to question, you know, can we, can we still do this in a different way? Yeah. 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 And it'll be interesting to see. I mean, the problem with the South Down, um, especially the local South Down, we've got, I've got a nice little flock near to me that every year the farmer um, phones me up and I go out. This year, um, none of it was skirted. I'm having to do all the skirting myself. So very labor intensive. Yeah, just because um, the way that the shearers are having to work this year is completely different because of COVID. Um, and <laughs> we passed COVID to the sheep now. <laughs> yeah, it, well, I went to a shearing with um, one of our local shearers, and like he would not let any. We had to be like, a, like a specific distance away from him. We could not touch his equipment. Someone tried to help him, accidentally touched the stuff, and he went and sanitized it right away. Just because there's so few of them that if one of those, one of them go down, like the sheep don't get sheared and then it becomes an ethical welfare issue. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. So I'm hoping what, what I'm doing right now is I'm paying this farmer his costs for shearing. That's what I get his fleece for. Okay. Because so normally he would be out of pocket for that. Yeah. Yeah. And he's really happy with that. My long-term goal is to start getting some of these people more money than that because it's not enough. Um, I know that. And you know, hopefully educating him at the same time about what he can do to make his fleece better mm -hmm. and less, less time consuming for me. Yeah. So fleece is really, really gross. <laughs> so, well, sheep are like puppies. They like to be buddies with each other and eat yeah. off each other. And 
Yeah, it's, and it's very playful. Because the fleece is like sponge. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at like, a, I work a lot with Suffolk and um, North County Cheviot because of course a lot of you would know a lot of that's here in the lower mainland in the Fraser Valley and uh yeah they're they're that spongy downy I mean it makes them amazing for socks it does it sure does but everything sticks in the fleece yeah yeah, yeah. so then you get into that conversation around coating not to coat some of yeah. that stuff right yeah and you know for farmers um their main thing is raising the sheep for, for meat and then everything else is a byproduct. But some of them are really willing to work to get, they, I mean, they want to get more money. That helps them. So I'm working with, also working with a flock in Ontario, a Tunis flock. Wow. I got their entire clip this year. Wow. <laughs> when it arrived, he's, he had never done it before. So he shipped it all out to me. And I looked at it and I'm like, oh. <laughs> and it had a lot more VM in it than I was hoping for. It's still salvageable. I just have to skirt it a little bit more. But so I talked to him on the phone and I was telling him about how he's got a coated flock. He can get more money. And he's like, I have coats for my sheep. Oh, no way. <laughs> he's like, that's all I have to do is put coats on. He said he shows his sheep. So when it's sh showing, when they're going to coat season, them, they coat them. So he's going to coat them this winter. He shears twice a year. So I'll get the next batch will be all coded and it's just a matter of sharing that information you never even thought because he's not a he's not a fleece person so and he's probably not really ever been exposed to the hand spinning world because preparing yeah. a fleece for the wool pool and throwing that in with the wool pool would be very very different than throwing it in for a hand spinner and for a hand spinner's fleece the shave them to save them organization and all of that with the heritage society like um uh, one of um, my community members, Diane, talk, um, she talked a lot when I chatted with her about that because she's ended up organically getting involved with them. And that was one of the things was just the, a lot of these producers just have, this is such a lost art mm -hmm. that there's just very little knowledge. Um, yeah. And, you know, you think, oh, but, but they're raising sheep like they would know. But it's like you say, the focus is completely different and wool is seen as a byproduct. Yeah. Um, another experience I had not too long ago was there's another local South Down flock and I was talking to the woman and she's like, oh, I've got some fleece spun. It's really good for socks. I'm like, cool, let's see it. And she brings it out. And it's a case where she just didn't know. It was like a bulky weight. And I'm like, wow. And of course, she had just sent it to the mill. The mill did what she asked. She didn't know. The mill didn't know, you know, like, and it was beautiful. And yes, perfect for slippers. But I, I'm like, that's yeah, this isn't a knitting yarn. Sock yarn. <laughs> yeah, it's not a it's not a sock yarn. It's not necessarily a knitter's yarn. Yeah, there is a gap again. You know, when you talk about fleece, um, it, there's also a gap again with the knitter. Yeah, you know, because that's the, the. I mean, let's be let's face it. That that's two separate markets. Spinners yeah. buy yarn, but knitters are not necessarily buying. Well, they're not buying fleece and buying yarn or buying fiber. Um, but the, the, what knitters are looking for, especially if they've been knitting with a lot of um, commercially spun um, big mill yarns, sort of what I call like the affordable workhorse yarns, yeah. working with a farm to yarn again is a different experience. And so then you've got a, another kind of knowledge gap there, right? For sure. So yeah, lots of education. And I kind of, I find that really exciting, you know, being able to share all that information. It's just a matter of getting it out there and time energy yeah 
Yeah. yeah. And one of the things I've learned about, I've only been doing the, the, the yarn fiber end of my business for a year, just over a year now. Yeah, you're quite and, new. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so exciting. It yeah. is exciting. And it's also, it's a good thing I like to work. <laughs> and especially like the last six months has just been, you know, COVID has been quite an experience. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's a good way of putting it that's the understatement of the year yeah. Yeah. my husband works in the grocery industry so when it first hit it was our whole lives thankfully it wasn't turned up down upside down from an illness perspective but just from like oh my gosh <laughs> yeah oh my gosh yeah, yeah so. absolutely yeah I really that really resonates with me yeah, yeah. so yeah. trying to you know sourcing wool that I have to look at these fleeces for the most part sight unseen. I have no idea what's going to arrive. Wow. Yeah. So it's challenging and fun at the same time. Yeah. It's sort of a little bit of a leap of faith, right? Yeah. And you know, the worst that's going to happen is I'm going to get a fleece that I'll have to process by hand because it's got too much VM in it. So yeah. Yeah. And maybe yeah. looking for some helpers. At some point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, just the physicality of skirting and doing some of that stuff. I mean, it does get to be a bit much. Yeah, yeah, it does. And it's great when my husband's around because he doesn't mind pitching in. I taught him, we were doing some picking and um, with a picker that I borrowed from the guild. That's quite the medieval device, I have to say. It was really... Patrick Green. Yeah, it was one of the big Patrick Green spinners. Yeah. <laughs> That's what our guild has. <laughs> and apparently no one's taking it out because everybody's afraid of it. <laughs> They do look medieval. Yeah. I won't bring it home actually because my kids are still too young and I just worry about um, safety. So whenever, like the, the couple of times I've needed a picker, I, I call it my friend Diana. So I'm like, you know, can I come over, do this clun forest? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I would love to hear from you a little bit about, um, you know, inspiration and hopes for the future, things that you're thinking about, you know, as you're building all yeah. of this, like what are, you know, you were mentioning about the, um, uh, the South Down sock yarn and like, what are, you know, from um, some of the fibers that you're bringing in, stuff that you're sort of excited about, yeah. I'd love to hear a little bit about that. Well, the big thing that I'm really looking forward to for next year besides getting back to our fiber festival normality, hopefully, is I am going to be starting the master spinners program next year. You are. I was going to ask about that. You mentioned it. So are you going to do it through Olds? Um, it's going to be through Olds, but it's, they're hosting it on the Sunshine Coast. That's where the in-person is going to be. That part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, in June, I'm just curious. I'm asking. No, it's at, it's at the end of April, which is perfect timing because okay. June is a really hard time for those of us who do the festival circuit. Yeah. So yeah, so end of April. Um, cool. Yeah, the place is also doing the Master Weavers program. They're hosting years one and two there. And then this is the first year that they're offering Master Spinners. So I'm excited about that. Absolutely. Um, other things I'm looking forward to. Well, I'm beginning of October making a run up to that darn yarn mill in Kamloops to pick up my first batch of yarn from Nicole that I dropped off last year, which includes that South Down, includes some Romney, um, Salt Spring Island Romney. Cool. Um, I'm trying to think what else I took up because it was a year ago. <laughs> um, yeah, it gets to be a bit long, hey? Like, you're yeah. forgetting kind of what you took up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and Nicole does a really great job, so I'm happy to wait for that turnaround time. But that's one of the challenges of doing what I'm doing is just the long turnaround times. Um, I, yarns that you're getting done by her? It's not pin-drafted roving? 
Um, I think it's yarn, but at, while I'm up there, I'm picking up some CVM, CVM robing, um, Corydale, and some merino. Apparently, there is a local merino flock mm -hmm. somewhere, so I'm picking up some of that. The only reason why I know about it is through Lynn Anderson. Oh, okay. yeah, of West Coast Color. Yeah, yeah. She she's mentioned that there's a merino flock. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It'd be interesting to see because you know merino just. I, they don't do well here. It's not their oh, so yeah. It'll be interesting to see what that what it actually looks like. Um, I've got some Cormo on the way from Wyoming. Wow, uh, yarn and top. Um, so I'm that should I'm hoping it might actually arrive today. I was hoping it was going to be here for yeah to show. So I can show you. Um, so I'm really excited about that. Um, and the mill in Wyoming is a true worsted mill. They have... Oh, no way. Yeah. Huh. That's one of the biggest problems, I think, for Canada is we don't have a true worsted mill. And with all the long wools we've got up here, you know, they, they just shine when they're worsted. That's... Yeah, we need a worsted mill. Yeah, yeah we really do. The, the mill that is shut down that's not operational, that's on Thetis, is it a worsted mill? I feel like it might be. I have no idea. I didn't know there was a mill on Thetis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I might be telling porcupine lies, but I'm positive that I've heard that there's a mill over there that's shut down that's not operational yet, that's yeah. been shut down for years on Thetis. On Thetis. So Thetis, for those who are watching who are not from this area of the country or, or even the, the world, um, it's just a little island off the coast of, of Vancouver. So yeah, look at that. I, yeah. I, do, I think you're right. We do need... It would be nice with Nicole in Kamloops and access to some of the other woolen mills, like, like custom woolen mills in, in uh, Carstairs in Alberta. There's a couple of mills in Ontario, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. then, um, yeah, it would be like, there's definitely a market, especially here in British Columbia for, uh, for a worsted mill for sure. Yeah, and yeah. One, of the, one of the yarns that they have at the mill in Wyoming that I will be bringing in, I didn't bring it in this time just because of budget, but it's a blend of um, Lincoln, 70% Lincoln and 30% Rambouillet. Um, I, did get a I did get a sample of it and it's really nice. Um, how would that spin because of the long staple length of the, of the Lincoln? Like how did you find it in your hands? It's actually, it was actually yarn. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, sport weight yarn and it knit up beautifully. I bet the bounce of the Rambo and the sheen of yeah. the Lincoln. Oh yeah. yeah. And then that drape. Yeah, it was really that nice. That would be amazing. I'm yeah. all into the blends right now. I'm all about the blends. <laughs> well, well, all I want to do is blending. Show and tell. Let me do some show and tell. Oh yeah, please I, do. I do have some show and tell for you. Speaking of blends, I just dyed this. Oh, beautiful. These are a black Shetland and silk blend. Wow. Yeah. Well, and as a dyer, do you want to talk a little bit, for those who don't know, why, why the uh, roving has that look? Is that roving <laughs> or is that comb top? Uh, it is top, but because of, I, do, I don't do hand painting. I do all immersion dyeing because I think that's how I'm happiest with how the dye. <laughs> Do you find with the spinning, like I love the hand painted comb top, like, you know, I think we all are drawn to those beautifully painted braids. And of course, Katrina mm -hmm. and I wrote a book about it. Um, but I, um, for when it comes to like, you know, spinning, um, especially for those of us who are doing garment spinning, um, you know, more often than not, people want a semi-solid or a solid. Is, is that sort of been your experience? 
Um, or is that I, what you're drawn to? It's what I, because I design, I know this is what I would use. I dye what I want to use because I know that there's lots of those multicolored braids out there and they're gorgeous and I love them. And I actually do a yarn that's um, a hand plied yarn where I buy the singles, dye them, and then ply them to get that marled look. I love marled yarns. They're great. Oh, they're gorgeous. Um, but this is what you're drawn to. Yep, this is my happy spot. And yeah, um, dyed look. Yeah, I'm a, I'm, I don't do a lot of speckling. I do a little bit of speckling, but it's just not my jam. So yeah. there's lots of people who do it and do it beautifully. So yeah, and then you can focus on the fibrous. Yeah, yeah. You can't do everything, right? Yeah, you can. Going back to our conversation earlier, of, you know, you just you can't do everything. Yeah, and I think for, because I'm special, planning to specialize in non-superwash, it's really hard to speckle well on non-superwash. Anyhow, I mean, you can you can do it, but it's yeah, it yeah. And I think spinners, I'm, I'm kind of going out on a limb here and I encourage those who are listening and watching this to comment um, on what I'm going to say. Um, I, I think for those who are working with some of these fibers and whatnot, they're looking at it from the perspective of spinning larger quantities for a garment, um, pair of socks, um, something really wearable, you know, a big shawl. A lot of people in our community spin for big shawls, so they'll spin yeah. two or 300 grams, yeah. um, kind of like what's behind me. And I think... Um, when you're doing that kind of work, you're looking for different, different colors. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So um, the reason why these are the two different colors is the natural fiber, they call it black, but it's actually a really dark brown and it does take the color. I think hopefully you oh, can, yeah, you can see, see it. it. Um, but yeah. the, the uh, silk is, there is some of the natural silk. You can just see a little spot. It's white. So yeah. So you oh, get that fine. sort of, yeah, it's really nice. And you know, the interesting thing for me, when I started dyeing this, I thought, oh, putting that top in water, am I just destroying the top? And it spins just like top. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, because I, you know, I like, I dye what I want to spin. Yeah. yeah. I'm so selfish. <laughs> so I knit yeah. what I want to knit. I spin what I want to spin. Yeah. <laughs> that totally resonates with me. So this just came in from the UK. I do get a lot of my stuff from the UK because it's their mills, they just do such yeah. great jobs. And I try to source from some of the smaller mills. I get a lot of my stuff from Laxton's and a lot from John Arbin. John Arbin's Merino is the one Merino that convinced me that maybe I actually like to spin Merino. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. I've heard that from other people in our community. Yeah, their Merino is... I don't have any of it right now, but it is amazing. Cool. Amazingly prepared. So, and their yarns are beautiful too. Um, I have some Wensleydale. I just got some more in. So this is, I had it in blue. I, every time I dye blue, it sells. So I only have the purples left right now. So I've got some Wensleydale. that ready purple, that grape kind of color. Me too. Yeah. Um, and I just brought in a bunch of down, um, uh, down fibers. So um, Shropshire, Oxford, something that starts with P that I can't remember what it was, Portland. Um, because I've had people asking me that, that are curious about spinning it for socks. Yeah. And they're hoping to put together like little sample boxes so you get, you know, like a certain amount of each and you can play oh, with them and then idea. yeah and then ply them together if you want. I've been really big on plying um, different types of fibers lately like I'll have one singles of BFL and one of this and one of that and 
apply them all together and see what happens. So. Oh, that's really cool. Kind of that yeah. experimental. Yeah. Yeah. What, what have you found that you like the best? <coughs> Excuse me. Well, this is a um, sock yarn that I just spun up. It's a three ply opposing ply. So two. Okay. Oh, I always get this mixed up. Two S. One S. Yeah. And, and one Z. Z. And then applied Z. Yeah, I have a mild form of dyslexia, so the Z and the S, I have to think the wheel was going this way, and then it's the wheel ridiculous. was going that way. <laughs> <laughs> and so this, ridiculous. this is a um, okay. Two of the two of the plies were Exmoor Blueface. Okay, is um, it's one of the John Arbin Exmoor Blueface and Zwardables blend. And then the third ply was one that I bought at a fiber festival from a bat that was Gotland BFL alpaca and silk. Oh, wow. Uh, none of them were stretchy, but look at this. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that's what the, that's what the opposing ply does is like spring. <laughs> it's interesting because with my opposing ply and my opposing ply socks that I did, we did a whole study on different types of yarns for socks a couple of years ago. And um, I found my opposing three ply was the most like commercial sock yarn of all of the ones that I spun and made. And it was that, mm -hmm. that, that bounce. Yeah. And it has the feel to me of those, you know, those German sock yarns that are like the workhorse. Yes. That's top. exactly what it felt like. Yeah. It has that, that texture to it. Right. Yeah. So I um, also made a four ply one um, out of similar fibers. I think maybe one of the, one of the singles might've been Finn. Um, so yeah. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. That's really cool. Actually, my, one of my favorite yarns I made in that, um, sort of group of, in that content that my favorite one was, um, the four ply cable. I really liked that yarn. That is what's up next for me. I just have to decide yeah. what I'm going to make it out of. I haven't decided that yet. So you know what ended up happening? Have you, have you knit and spun a, a cable before? I have not. I don't think maybe okay. I didn't know it, but <laughs> I know what that's like. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things actually that I ended up finding that um, was actually really too bad because it was an entire pair of socks that I had to knit. So I had to change the way I knit. I untwisted the yarn. Like as I was knitting, I was untwisting it. Interesting. And because I was, I had to cable it um, back Z. Um, mm -hmm. And yeah, because the way I hold the yarn and the way I work with it, I was untwisting it as I went. So it was really interesting for me to kind of learn that because I need to do the opposite. It's just the way I hold my, my yarn, the way, I, the way I knit. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's that experimentation though. Like in the spirit of experimentation, what will happen in this situation? And yeah. You don't know until you try it. And don't then you know. Yeah. Yeah. And it was funny because when I was talking about it, I ended up talking about it a little bit on the podcast and a whole bunch of people responded um, to me both in, on YouTube, on Patreon and like privately. And we're like, I didn't like, I totally do this and I had no idea. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, you know, I discovered the one time I've tried twined knitting. Um, oh, the same yeah. thing happened, except in opposite, where in twined knitting, because of how you're manipulating the yarns, I got this massive gnarl of over-twisted yarn. You really do need to, wow. twine knitting, your yarn needs to be spun the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I implied that way. Yeah. So if you normally apply S, you have to apply Z. You have to apply Z when you're twine knitting. I've, yeah. There's been a few people, uh, women at the guild that are into twine knitting and they've talked about that. Yeah. And it's the same when you're casting on, you know, you're yeah. untwisting as you go. Right. So, yeah. um, 
especially with a long tail cast on, I used to, you know, take a whole length of yarn, fold it in half and start casting on. And of course your one tail ends up untwisted, right? Yes. Um, and it was just as simple as doing that initial um, cast on with two separate balls of yarn. That was smart. And being okay with cutting the one. Like you just have to get over it. <laughs> um, but at least you don't untwist your yarn as you go because you're working with yarn that's like it's backwards. Yeah. It's a, sure. it's a real mind meld, hey? Yeah. Yeah. And you don't know it until you try it. No, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we've talked a little bit about your spinning journey and things that you're working on, thoughts and inspirations you draw upon. Um, are You just finished your socks and you're going to be starting the master spinner. Um, so I was actually one of the things I was thinking about as you were telling me is, you know, what, what are you sort of hoping the master spinner will give you? Like, what are you sort of hoping, um, doing something like that will sort of, um, like next steps What what are you sort of hoping it can, can help facilitate for you that you can't not do on your own? I'm just curious. Cause you're obviously a very like experiential kind of a learner. Yeah. I, you know, I'm not a hundred percent sure. I think I like collecting expensive pieces of paper. <laughs> That's what I call my <laughs> degrees. <laughs> um, and I, think, I love your honesty. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've been doing some teaching. And I think it helps to have, you know, those pieces of paper to, but um, I, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. What I really wanted to do this year is I really wanted to do fleece judging. Um, I feel like that's the biggest area where it's really hard to get a, get the knowledge that I feel that I need to look like, I know from looking at a fleece and doing a ping test and, um, Nicole at that darn yarn mill taught me something called that she calls the crackle test, which I had never heard before. Um, and going to, I've been to quite a few mills now. I went to Inca Dinka when it was still open and I've been to the abundant earth mill, um, on Whidbey Island. Oh yeah, of course. There's a mill down there. I forgot about that yeah, one. Yeah, my sister lives in on the Olympic Peninsula. My sister lives in Washington State, so um, we go on fiber adventures um, when I go down to visit. Oh, I love that. <laughs> yeah, and um, so it just happened. I actually went to Whidbey Island to pick up some teas water. There's a beautiful, beautiful hand spinning flock there, um, and I picked up some teas water and some Wensleydale, and that's actually at the mill in Kamloops right now. Wow. Um, yeah. You've got some cool stuff coming down the pipeline. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Um, yeah. I've got some stuff at um, Longway Homestead right now. She's spinning some Shetland and some CVM, oh, CVM Gotland Cross, I think it was that I sent there from um, Sue Russell's flock on Barnston Island. Okay. Cool. Um, and I've got stuff at both at Rampart Mill and Mariposa Mill in Ontario. I haven't worked with them before, so you don't know until you send it out and see what comes with that. <laughs> yeah, in some ways you kind of have to like send out feelers and testers, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, our mills need the support. It was a real blow to the island when Inca Dinka closed, and the only way we can keep these mills open is by using them. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, well said. Yeah, so I'm, um, so, but in terms of like actually sourcing the fleece, I would like to know better. I'd like to know more. So uh, I've also signed up for um, the Woolmark has got a series of free classes online. So I've signed up to do those. Cool. In my spare time. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, that whole time thing. <laughs> yeah. 
So what, another good thing about COVID is there, you know, not going to fiber festivals means, okay, so I've got a weekend where. Yeah, I guess you're not really traveling. I, every single thing I had planned for this year has been canceled, including I was supposed to event for the first time at Knit City. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was excited to meet you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, you know, cause I was going to meet you at Fibers West. Fibers West. Yeah. 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 And actually the only reason why I connected, why I was still able to connect with you was, um, through Glenda and through her um, encouragement to still reach out. Yeah. Yeah. Glenda's a wonderful oh, She's a gem. Yes. <laughs> actually, Glenda, we're talking about you. <laughs> Glenda knitting socks for me. She's doing some sample knitting for me. She had mentioned that she was going to do that. So what are those? What yarn is that? This is a high twist to ply Corydale um, from Laxton's in the UK. They design it specifically to be for socks. Um, I have had some Corydale sock yarn before that had some nylon in it and those socks have worn fantastically well. So I'm, she knit this for me. This is a sock yarn that I carry all the time. Um, the one downside is this stuff will felt, 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 felt. <laughs> so as soon as it hits that really hot water, if there's soap in there, it's just gonna. Yeah. yeah. So hand yeah. wash only, but um, I'm gentle. Yeah. I'm excited to put them through the test and see how they do. Um, yeah. And that's it, a two ply you said? It is a two ply. Okay. Um, but it's, uh, it's the twist in it is. Yeah. <laughs> very twisty. You like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I am quite, it, it's the only really high twist sock yarn that I've seen from a commercial mill where I've been like, yeah, that, that has twist in it. Truly. <laughs> that's cool. So it's funny. Cause I had a live stream this morning and I, we were talking about, um, low twist, medium twist and high twist. And, um, it seems to be really challenging for, and I found this really hard when I first came to spinning as well. Cause I started spinning, um, about 13, almost 14 years ago. Oh, wow. And I found, yeah, it was just one of those random things. I was in the right place at the right time. And, um, I, I found that jump and it really wasn't until I read Aiden almost Aiden, um, almost uh, blah, 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 work yes. <laughs> in almost his book. Um, when I sort of started to put together that, um, there was this thing called twist that wasn't just to hold the fibers together. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I think when we talk about you know, default spinning, we're often like Judith McKenzie McEwen says, we're, we're talking about medium twist yarns. You know, we're talking medium singles, medium uh, ply um, in terms of the amount of twist. But this idea of high twist yarns, I think it's kind of gotten a little bit of a kind of a bad rep because these higher twist yarns are really difficult to knit with sometimes. Yeah. Um, and they're difficult to knit like into a shawl, for example. But on the flip side, um, there's a place for them. Mm -hmm. So, but I'm always asked, I am getting to a question. Um, I'm always <laughs> asked, and I would love to hear your take on this because I know how I answer it, but I would love to hear yours. What, in your opinion, is the difference between a low, medium, and a high twist yarn? So when you're sitting at your wheel or when you're looking at a yarn um, that you've got back from the mill or you're looking at a yarn like that John Arvin one, you know, in your mind, what makes you think, oh yeah, this is high twist, this is low twist, this is medium twist, um, rather than sort of being told by them what it is. Because I think sometimes they'll say, oh yeah, this is a high twist yarn. You look at it and you're like, really? This, I would, as a hand spinner, I would say this is medium. I think, you know, I think part of it is what you start with. So what might be a high twist yarn in a long wool 
would be a low twist yarn and you know like because of the the crimp structure it really depends I think on that crimp structure so you know it's hard Love to that. say yes because if you don't know what they started with yeah I mean I think I most commercial yarns most commercial yarns a lot of commercial yarns I think are underspun <laughs> yeah I was just talking about that this morning <laughs> My community is very, they, they hear that all the time. Yeah. Um, and so when I saw this yarn, um, and I'm really lucky because one of my yarn suppliers is super knowledgeable and she's also a hand spinner. That makes a big difference, doesn't it? It really does. And so when I go to see Cindy, we talk shop and we, you know, she comes from a different perspective than someone who's selling yarn to make money as opposed to someone who sells yarn. I mean, she, yes, of course she's a business, but she also understands it from a spinning and a knitting perspective. And so when she said this is a high twist yarn, the, this Corydale, I looked at it and you can really see that that twist angle is way more than you'd see, or the, sorry, the ply angle is way more than you see any other yarn. And I think it's because um, these, some of these British mills really are very, very good at what they do. Like they take, and this mill also spins weaving yarn. And I think that oh, makes a big yeah, difference. That's a game changer. Yeah, that yeah. when you're getting into the world of weaving yarns, where elasticity is something that you don't want, yeah. and they're working with so many uh, long wools that they really understand how much that twist structure can affect the final product. Especially because so many weaving yarns have that silk in them too, right? Yeah. They want that drape and that luster, the lightness. Yeah. Yeah. And then you're dealing with sort of this other side. And I do feel, I might be wrong, but I do feel like there's a knowledge in Britain that isn't necessarily elsewhere because yeah. there is this old, old industry there. Um, and this, um, yeah, it's, it, you know, it's, it's certainly not uh, vibrant in, in the way that we would want it to be vibrant, but it's very, it's, 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 um, it's still there, yeah. you know, and it is, it seems to be on the revival with, with work like Blacker Yarns and some of the other yeah. um, producers out there that are trying to, um, continue that work. Yeah. In the UK. I yeah. should show you this cause this is actually kind of interesting. Um, this is yarn. This, okay. First of all, <laughs> as opposed to not yarn, <laughs> this, yes, as opposed to not yarn. First of all, props to design. This is a design is by, beautiful. um, yeah, this is fake, fake Kennington's design. It's called Bittercrest. She knits under Yuki knits and she's a good I'll, friend of mine. I'll link it in the show notes. Yes. Um, so this is also yarn from Laxton's. This is a two ply Merino, um, Falkland Merino. It is dreamy and I'm going to be stocking it, but I haven't dyed it yet. And so, and this, let me see if I can get it close enough for you guys ah. to see. Okay, so that is <laughs> the Merino, and that is wow. the Corydale, spun by the same mill. Yeah. Both two plies, completely different grist, completely different twist structure. Um, so that's, you know, a sign to me that, you know, that's how much these people really know what they're doing. Yeah. This, lofty and bouncy and soft and plump and this is it's not hard no it's but not it's solid it's and it's elastic they yeah. managed to keep the elasticity in it um despite being designed to wear multiple times so and often that if the singles are high twist and you've got that high twist ply 
um, you know, that, that enhances that elasticity so, so nicely and brings mm-hmm. up the yarn. Yeah. You know, cause you know how you get those underspun singles sometimes yeah. and then you go to that really high twist ply, which I have to admit, I love those yarns for sweaters when I'm making them, mm-hmm. um, you know, sort of a medium to low twist singles. Um, but you don't get that same bounce and elasticity, but you get a lot of loft and you get a yeah. lot of, you know, you get, you get other things. Yeah. Memory. Yeah. Wow. That's really cool. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. yeah. And I'll plug that, um, um, those links for that sweater down below. Yeah. It's, it's just beautiful. beautiful. It, yeah. She, I have never, I haven't seen a color work sweater that has a fade and <laughs> color work at the same time. I was going to say, is that a fade? So it is a fade. Yeah, she designed wow. it that way. Uh, I dyed this one myself. I dyed okay. it for yeah, myself. Still. still. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, Faye's Faye is a real color work genius. So. Wow, that's really cool. I'll make sure I link it. Yeah, cool. Awesome. Thanks for sharing, Catherine. Um, was there anything else that you wanted to share about what you're doing and anything that we missed? Because I'm sure we could just wax poetic forever nope. about fiber and yarn. <laughs> I have one small plug for... Um, Absolutely. And it's not for me. So I, because I sell yarn and I'm a spinner I have more yarn than I know what I need to know what to do with but um, I so when I buy yarn it's got to be pretty special Mm -hmm. and so I'm going to plug a yarn that I have bought recently from it's going to be backwards hooligan yarns hooligan yarns it's not actually thankfully Oh, okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> my screen is backwards. So I'm just starting a color work sweater with their yarn. And the reason why I'm plugging Q can yarn yeah. is they are a sheep rescue, an animal rescue in the UK, where they rescue disabled, unwanted sheep and then sell the yarn to help pay for the cost. They are actually a registered um, trust in the UK. And when you order yarn, they send you postcards with the sheep on them. I know, like, is so, that Jacob? Yeah, she's a Jacob Cross, Jacob oh, Dorset. Face. Oh, I've always, I if I ever had sheep, I would have Jacob. I just think they're so great. <laughs> so um, that's amazing. The color in this, um, the two colored yarns are from. This is Boots, and this is Dottie, I think. And then where's the white? I have goosebumps. I know. I oh. I. So I'm plugging them because I think they do really good work. They have a sheep called Dumpy. Um, Dumpy's a textile sheep who has like this growth on his lip. And I just, anytime Dumpy's yarn comes up, I just buy it. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know how you sometimes connect? Oh, I love that. So they dye the yarns too? So they mail them and dye them? Or did you, all did you dye them? They're all natural. So none of the yarns are dyed. Um, oh. I don't know where they get them milled. I'm suspecting it's probably someone like Blacker or... Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That yeah. is so cool. I'll link all yeah. of that in the show notes as well so that people can click and go. Because, I mean, obviously, even as hand spinners, we buy yarns. Like, you know. Yeah. To be honest, we're all obsessed with all the things. <laughs> That's right. And, and um, you know, it's a good cause. And, you know, they, they show pictures of their one-legged duck and all the goats that they've, they've, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Oh, thank you for sharing that. That's really, that's, those are those like gems that you. Yeah. I mean, and they have like this, this Shetland pony that's like their yarn ambassador and they dress them up in knitwear and leggings and um, hand knit leg warmers. 
it's one of those, you know, we all need some happy. Their Instagram feed makes me very, very happy. Oh, that's so cool. I don't follow yeah. them, so I'll have to look them up. Yeah, the the yarns are hooligan yarns, and I think the trust is called Manor. Oh, I should have had this ready for you. Okay. Is it on the back here? Manor Farm Charitable Trust. Okay. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Neat. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to share with you before we say goodbye, and I just realized I left it on the other side of the house. Oh, because you're you know, CVM I finished the CVM mohair. So can I go grab it and I'll come back? Yes. We'll just pause it here and I'll edit it. Oh, look how shiny. Yeah, really shiny. So um, I ended up spinning this on my e-spinner, on my Ashford e-spinner, um, mm -hmm. because I was traveling last week with my mom and the kids. And um, I wanted a project that I could take with me. I'm just, I was just feeling... Um, kind of knitted out because we had just come back from Northern British Columbia. And so I'd had like 12 plus hours on the way there and on the way back, like over our driving days of knitting. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you're just like, I don't want to knit anymore. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I never get that way about spinning, but knitting I get sick of anyways. Um, so I took the 200 grams and I did 100 grams per bobbin. And then, um, and normally I would rewind my singles especially with a, with a long wool, um, we, mostly actually because of the mohair, just to have that, you know, plying it in the same direction that you've spun it. But I couldn't do that because we were away. So um, anyway, so I'll, I'll hold it up close for you. So it's just got this gorgeous sheen. Pretty. Yeah, really, really beautiful. There was, um, a, there was a little bit of um, um, lanolin and grease and stuff on the fibers as I was spinning it. Mm -hmm. um, so it really felt like that real like farm, you know, farm okay. to um, pin, you know, because the pin drafted roving, like it was just, you know, you just spin, right? Oh. Um, so I, I did scour it um, after and it's just come up beautifully. And I wanted a medium, medium to low twist. Um, and because it's 200 um, grams, like I've got enough to really do something with. Oh, cool. What are you going to so, make, you know? I don't know. So originally my plan was maybe if it, uh, depending on how much it bloomed after it dried, I was sort of thinking like maybe the love note by Tin Can Knits, cause it's just got that halo of the mohair and not having to actually hold a mo mohair yarn with and doing, you know, it just, oh, um, it just feels very, <laughs> I, uh, I'm sure you'll understand what I mean just because of what's going on in the world right now, but anything that's like complicated right now, I'm like, mm, no, <laughs> it's just too much for my brain. Um, simplicity right now is where, I, where it's at. So because this is more finely, it's a, it's a fingering, it's not a sport. And with the love note, you hold two fingering weight yarns together and it kind of gives you that like light DK heavy sport. Mm -hmm. Um, and I have 900 yards. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> great. And I didn't lose a lot in the washing process. Like it's not like it shortened and I lost a lot of yardage. Mm -hmm. um, so I've got it all tied up because I may kettle dye it and then I'll oh. check my yardage again. But you know, I'm kind of thinking either a big Shetland hap mm. or I'll just hang it on my wall, like behind me on my... <laughs> on my and pet it. <laughs> I have so these these yarn walls um, with my branches. I I collect. You're gonna think I'm crazy. I collect branches from all over like our trips. So this one, this branch is actually from from Whitehorse from Yukon. Oh, cool. I have one over there that's from uh, Miracle Beach on the island near you. 
Yeah. And um, I have another one in our bathroom and I've got one. Anyways, they're all over the house and they've got my yarn hanging on it. So sometimes when I finish a spin like this, that's quite hefty, like it's a, you know, a large quantity and I want to do something um, and I'm just not quite sure. I just hang it on there and then it's there all the time. Nice. Um, yeah. Years ago, my mom and I went to a talk with Kay, Kay Fassett. Oh, cool. and he, yeah. And he was talking about, um, you know, how we can't just manufacture inspiration. Like you can't just look yeah. at something and be like, Oh, I'm going to do that with that. Like, it's just that there are most projects in our creative world just don't work that way. And then we actually need to keep things out and visible so that we see it all the time so that we're constantly kind of being reminded of these, um, um, Oh, what, what was the word he used of these, um, um, you know, cause he's working with fabric. So uh, of these like physical goods to incorporate in our making, um, we need to like see them and be processing and thinking about it, not just put them away and stash them and sort of, cause you, you, you forget about it. Yeah. So when you see it every day, you sort of think, oh, that would be kind of cool. And then you carry on with your day and then you see it again. And you're like, oh, maybe that would be better. And that's my excuse. My husband, um, always says he can tell where I've been in the house by the disaster that's there. But I'm a, it's like a creative, it's a creativity bomb, hun. Yeah. I was being creative. Yeah. Right. <laughs> then I can I see it. all the stuff that I need. Yeah. One of the other things, my mom's an artist. And one of the things that she always talks about is like when you're surrounded by, um, um, you know, white, like a white canvas or, um, you know, anything white, a white wall, um, it really stifles a lot of creativity um, when, you, when you're working with color. And um, so one of the things that I've started, that was one of the reasons why I went with my branches, because rather than doing like a piece of dowel, you know, um, because it's a little bit more, just gives you that opportunity to kind of look at things a bit differently and sort of play around. Because actually, I would like to dye this. Um, I was thinking about just throwing it into a kettle dye. It does hay. Yeah. So I, I do, a, when I, when I'm, when I want like acid dye, I send it to Katrina. <laughs> um, when I want to dye, I generally do natural dyes just because I've got young children around and we had, we had dogs. Um, we don't need more, but um, I was always a bit concerned about having dye stuffs around. That, That's really wise. Yeah. Just, you know, it's just a stage of life, yep. but I was, I just wasn't, um, I was sort of, yeah, I was just torn about color, you know, like what, what to put over top. So I'll play with some stuff. Cause somebody had said, actually, maybe you can answer this question for me. Somebody had said um, in the live chat, actually during one of the recent uh, podcast episodes, when I was talking about this, actually, um, that if I dye this with um, like something like, well, okra yellow, basically. So like, um, you know, um, marigold or goldfinch um, that it will go green yeah it will hey um i don't it, mind but it yeah it will tend to skew towards the green side mm -hmm. um it'll be a yellowy green but it will definitely that okra dirty grello yeah i'm trying to think if i have something handy that i could show you because no i don't have anything handy well, <laughs> i do so this is Comox Valley Romney. I grew up in the Comox Valley. So this is a sheet. I helped skirt these Beautiful. sheets. Beautiful. Oh, okay. That's so helpful. Yeah. <laughs> so is that so, dyed with yellow? 
this is dyed with a yellow and it's a really bright, oh, I wish I could tell, oh, I can't, hang on, hang on. <laughs> Look at you, talking <laughs> about creative bombs. <laughs> okay, so, this is the yellow without anything added to it. This is that yellow with some brown added to it. And that's the yellow on, on gray. the natural fight on the natural gray, gray yeah. brown. So because that's quite a, the uh, one that you've got there is, yes, this yarn is quite brown. The gray is quite a, a warm gray. Um, okay. It will probably skew more green than, than this, but yeah. I look. love that. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> I need to have you on like speed dial. Okay, Catherine, what do I do here? <laughs> yeah, I, I color in me. I my my undergrad degree is in art history. Okay. Oh, same as so, my mom. Oh, really? Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, it very expensive piece of paper that has turned out rather useful for this whole dyeing. <laughs> sure. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I can wax on about color. Oh, okay. okay, then I'll have to have you back on the podcast so you can wax about color next time and talk about all the different stuff. Because so much of your fibers and fleeces that you're sourcing are not white. Mm -hmm. I know you've got some white, but like, you know, case in point, right? Um, yeah, because yeah, not I, all fleeces white. I love dyeing fleeces that aren't white. Yeah. It's my favorite. I would love to chat with you about that some more. Yeah, sure. Uh, I would be happy to dye. Yeah, maybe later that. in the fall because, uh, yeah, that would be wonderful because I think there are a lot of questions and because many of us in the community have been playing around with carding up blends and stuff, um, you know, you look at some of like the oatmeal BFLs and the uh, different colors of silk that are on the market um, and then you throw in some of the colored alpacas and some of the camelids and whatnot and all of a sudden you've got this gorgeous heathered yarn and you want to dye it, yeah. um, you know, and the color is going to very much act differently. Yeah. That would be a wonderful part too. It'd be fun. And it's funny that you cool. say that because I actually have some oatmeal BFL with, with silk blended into it that I'll probably be dying next week. So oh, yeah. Very I, cool. I love dying that kind of stuff. So yeah. mm -hmm. I, I find it very inspirational. Yeah. 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 And also you never quite know what's going to happen. I, I love things where I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> Again, that exper experiential stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. Thank you for taking the time today. I really, really appreciate oh, it. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Awesome. So I, I, I was actually, um, do you want to just tell everybody where they can find you? Oh, yeah, sure. So um, social media, I'm Small Bird Workshop on Instagram. That's where I spend most of my social media time. Um, I do have a Facebook account under the same, but I generally don't use it everything gets cross-posted from Instagram. Okay. Um, Ravelry, I'm also Small Bird Workshop for those who are able to use Ravelry right now. Yeah. Um, I know I that's, you. oh, did you freeze? Oh, I think you might have froze. Unfortunately, we experienced some technical difficulties at the end of the podcast. So for more from Catherine, please check out Instagram at smallbirdworkshop. And I have linked her website as well as her Etsy shop in the show notes available at patreon.com slash wellforpearls. Thanks again for watching or listening, however you consume Woolen Spinning Radio. And I look forward to chatting with you next month.